0: Just lift our hands before the Lord. We're gonna just pray his blessing on today's service and then also upon all the baptism candidates. Father, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're here by the Holy Spirit, Lord, and we're hungry to meet with you and hear from you. And Lord, we ask you that you would begin to cause uh, fresh revelation to come to our hearts, fresh revelation to come to the way that we view marriage, Lord, and that there'll be a real hunger to communicate in ways which honor you. And Lord, we lift up every one of these baptism candidates here today, taking a wonderful step of faith as they enter into this discipleship walk with you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that today would be the first day of the rest of their lives in you, Lord, that there would be a cutting off of the body of sin and that they would step into the life that is available in Christ Jesus, that they would be united with you, Christ, as they enter that water in your death and also in your resurrection, and that they'd be raised into freedom, raised into a place where they have victory over sin, raised into a place where they would grow strong in their relationship with you. We praise you and thank you for your good, your love is towards us, and we're hungry to meet with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's honor the Lord. Fantastic. Thank you so much to the worship team. You may take your seats. It's wonderful to have all of you here today for the final part in a series on marriage here at the 230 service. We've been covering right throughout July and August a series on building relationships and entering into marriage and building strong marriages, and it's really exciting to be here with you today. Just yesterday, I celebrated my sixth wedding that I have participated in in one month, Um, so it's been a pretty crazy time here in Kensington Temple. We're going to be introducing you to a couple of the couples, not tonight, but um, in a couple of weeks uh, when they come back from honeymoon, but they are from amongst you, and uh, it'd be great to celebrate them, all of us together. Thanks also for all of your feedback when it comes to this topic. A lot of you have been blessed and uh, been letting us know about how this is spoken into various areas and stages of your relational development. And please do keep letting us know other areas that you'd like to hear from us on, any topics you're interested in, anything that you really would want to hear ministered on, because it's really important to us that we're ministering to you at your point of need um, in the context of bringing healthy doctrine and and a diet of the word here. So we're going to be looking at the topic of communication within marriage. And I don't know how many of you are willing to be honest today, but when I hear that uh, title communication within marriage, sometimes it's easy to recognize that we're not always great at communication, unless any of you wants to say that you're the uh, communication ninja in this place today. But all of us know there's been opportunities that we've had where difficult conversations haven't really gone the way we'd anticipated, and actually the whole thing blows up, and we end up in a place of needing to ask forgiveness and also extend forgiveness. And if you're here today and that's you, well, I hope that all of us can gain some wisdom from the Word of God as we come together. And if you're single here today, which I'm conscious there is a portion of you that are, before you check out mentally, consider this, that you can sow into your marriage, today by learning how to communicate, by reviewing how you communicate. One of the biggest blessings that I had before I got married was to have a healthy relationship with the church, to have different people on a personal level who I had communication and conversations with, and then also in speaking with you on a regular basis. So over the course of 10 years, built up some good communication skills, so hopefully now Rebecca enjoys when I talk with her. You'll have to ask her afterwards. But I'm sure she thinks that it's a blessing of of sorts. So today, I really want to outline some principles, some values which will call us higher in the area of communication. I think one of the biggest challenges we have when it comes to communication is our, our pool of resource has been family, has been broken relationships prior to getting married or in the pursuit of marriage, has even been uh, difficulties with friendships, which have led us to some negative patterns when it comes to communication. But I really believe that God has something to speak into all of these areas. And if we can lay hold of these principles and continue to be challenged by them, we'll be called higher in our communication with one another within the context of marriage. Now, communication is a gift by which we convey ourselves or step into a genuine relationship. It's very easy to have friendships and relationships which operate at the superficial level. Just one friend recently was reflecting on people who go out to clubs and make friends there. But it's around a very simple sort of scenario. You get drunk, you get high, you dance and tell the stories of what happened the next time you see each other. But going deeper, Beginning to build a relationship where you show yourself and reveal yourself, that's part of the challenge that we're talking about and its expression is certainly needed within the context of marriage. Communication is also a gift by which we can reveal the delight that God has placed within us, all of the qualities, characteristics, who we are and who He is through us. And today, if if you find yourself in a place of broken relationship, you might find that there's a big gulf between you and your partner communication is the route back to wholeness. Learning to share the life of Christ with one another, learning to speak the Word of Christ into each other's life, learning to edify one another will help you take that journey back. And it's not just going to be a quick fix. Please don't think that anything that you take here today and just, I'm going to try it once and it's going to work not going to work the first time. It's going to work as you disciplinedly put it into practice, walk it out on a daily basis, and start to see transformation in your life. Now, there's some books that I can recommend now, and if you want to catch the titles from me later, please come and see me. But there's a great book called Crucial Conversations, followed by Crucial Confrontations. There's a book called Boundaries in Marriage by Dr. Cloud, There's a book called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk and a book called Fully Alive by Larry Crabb. Some great material on building healthy communication, as I said, do find me afterwards if you want to note those down. I'm reading today from Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Then jumping down to verse 9, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I want to start by positioning the context of marriage, uh, uh, as has been done in different scenarios right throughout this series, in the context of expressing the glory of God. Building genuine relationships is the means by which we reveal God, His nature, His purpose, His plan for our lives. And I'm beginning today with Paul's reflection on Jesus. It's a refreshing passage, isn't it, when you start to think of the fact that because of what Jesus has done, we have had a relationship established and which we can build on with the living God. Last week at the nine and 11 o'clock, our senior minister, Colin Dye, spoke into this area on the delight of the Trinity, the joyous unity of the three persons in one being God in eternity, the fullness of each person's power, authority, position, expressed in relationship in openness, joy, mutual submission, and overflowing in power into the entirety of creation. Everything that we see around us is made for the purpose of revealing, enjoying, and exploring this relationship that we can have with the living God. We see here God's passionate desire to walk in relationship. What else would prompt him to reveal the plan of, of salvation for humanity through the work of undoing Adam's sin. This is where we see God and his hunger to, be, to know and be known by us compelling Jesus to break the walls of sin that separate us from him through his death upon the cross. We have been made friends with God. And today we find ourselves in the period between the cross and the resurrection of all things when this broken world and broken people are going to be made perfect again in the future. But today we find ourselves seeking to extend his kingdom and call to extend his kingdom by calling people to enjoy the fullness of life through reconciliation and friendship with God. Now this sacrificial, love-motivated, Father-revealing, all-sufficient gift is the heart of Jesus' life for us. The life in abundance that He comes to bless us with. The privilege of walking with God the Father. Enjoying His peace, enjoying His love, enjoying His joy. And It's here that we see what the plan of God is. That we would know the heart of God. If ever you read scripture, if ever we were to understand the the depth of of Christ's love for us, scripture always brings us back to the, the action of the cross. It always brings us back to say this is what love looks like, that Jesus gave his life on the cross for us. But was it just to deal with our sin? No, a very significant part of it was to deal with our sin, but it was to bring us back into correct relationship with God. It was so that God could take up residence in our hearts again and walk with us every single moment of every single day. This, knowing God, it's not the promise of a blessed life. I know that sometimes you come into a church and think that being a Christian, the way that you show best that you're a Christian is you're blessed. You have the best suit, the best dress, the best haircut, the best watch, the best car, all of these things. That's nothing to do with the Christian life. It is part of some of the ways that God might choose to bless individuals. But the reality is in the trial, in the tribulation, in the difficulties that we face, we might know God. And that's the greatest blessing of all. And the Father wants us to know that this is the pearl of great wealth. There's a parable that Jesus speaks where he says a man finds a pearl of great wealth and he sells everything he has to buy it because he realizes it's value. Us being able to walk in relationship with God is the fullest expression of the wisdom of God, walking in the fear of the Lord. And I want to start today's message after that brief introduction by asking, is there anyone here who hasn't heard that there's a loving God whose Son died upon a cross for us who wants to have a relationship with you? I want to give you an opportunity to respond. It's so important that we hear the continual call from the heart of the Father to know Him. And every moment of every day it's possible for you to have an encounter with God. And I want to invite you today. This could be one of the opportunities that God gives you to draw near to Him. We're going to do so simply by asking you in a few moments after a prayer to raise your hand as a symbol of saying, you know what, I want to have a relationship with the living God. I recognize that I need the forgiveness of sin so that I might have that relationship with God and walk with Him. So can we pray together, church? And then I'll be giving you the opportunity to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you all together. Father, we thank you for your earnest, passionate desire to know us. And that you desired us so much that you sent your son to die upon the cross for us. And we receive forgiveness from sin today. We receive your mercy today. We put our trust and our faith in you today. And Lord, grant us that we would know you. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to ask you, just while everyone's in a moment of prayer, if that was you and you're praying it for the first time, to raise your hand and say, today, I want to know Jesus. Is there anyone here today? Just be bold. Stick your hand up in the air. Hundreds of us have done this before. It would be great if you would join us today. Anyone? Well, please do talk with us at the end. There's plenty of opportunities, as always, to come to know the Lord Jesus here in Kensington Temple. But building on this, the the idea that God has revealed to us his passion for relationship, his hunger for relationship, his desire to reveal himself and for us to enter into the benefit of knowing God through worshiping him, we also have a great privilege. And the great privilege is not to just be a Christian that somehow clings on until the end of days and maybe if we might get lucky, we might just make it. That's not what the Lord invites us to. The Lord invites us to something much more profound, with unveiled face that we would behold the glory of the Lord and be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 19. Or said another way, we're called to become like Jesus. Not just something that we nod our heads with in church. Yes, yes, I should become like Jesus. But really, in the expression of our life, in the expression of the way we engage with people, in the expression of the way that we love people, that people see Jesus in us. Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus in the fullness of his life, revealed the Father to us? He revealed the relationship that he had with God to us. Could it be that through the way we communicate with and relate with one another, in our imitation of Christ, have the opportunity to reveal this great relationship ourselves? Is it possible that we could learn to show people the love of God and in that way bring glory to God? Could we discover our real purpose here in communication and in the context of marriage as we're focusing on today? Is it possible that everything, our career, our life, uh, our life message, our families, all fit within this overarching story to reveal the heart of God in relationship? And marriage is a key place where this can be fulfilled. The plan of God is expressed through the mystery and delight of humanity walking in the deepest union of man And woman, and today I want to encourage you to lift your expectation of marriage. There are so many people that just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be married because I don't want to get divorced, I don't want to get hurt, I don't want to be a a mess or make a mess, I'm just going to keep myself isolated and alone. Or maybe you're in marriage and you're like, yeah, the ball and chain, you know, that whole thing. What about marriage as a place where you can flourish? Marriage as a place where your partner can flourish. Marriage as a place where life overflows into kids and also into the people that you're ministering to on a daily basis. What about a marriage which brings glory to God? That's what we're all here today with in our hearts. I want to hold marriage high as something that is created and given by God for the purpose of giving Him glory. And I realize at the same time as saying that, that potentially some of you might hear that I'm not including you at this present point in time. Maybe you're a never married single or maybe you're a divorced single. or Maybe you have same-sex attractions and they're trying to figure out how to earnestly honor God in your walk. Those who know me know that I would never seek to alienate anyone. I love God-created individuals. It's important to point to this. A friend posted this on Facebook recently. It's not a crime to want intimacy. The crime is not knowing that you can have all of that in God. And this is a starting place. Whatever status you find yourself in, whatever place you find yourself in, that you can have all that you seek for in terms of intimacy in walking in relationship with the living God. The truth is that in no way has God robbed you by allowing you to be in this present situation and season of your life. His purpose for you is immeasurable, and it is possible to experience the most profound of relationships with God in a way that fulfills you deeply and enables you to reveal something profound about His loving nature in the way that you relate to those around you. So if you are single or were married and no longer are, keep seeking, keep pressing in, keep bearing in mind that there is a place for you in in the revelation of God. And bear in mind some of the things I'm also about to say. When we think about how God made us, we always come to the same conclusions in uh, in terms of humanity and then in terms of our gender. As humans, we are spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual beings. And the priority of all of these different expressions of our humanity is the spiritual connection. It is that connection with the living God. It's walking in relationship with the living God. Said another way, God is first and preeminent in all things, especially once you've made the decision to make Him your Lord and Savior. But that spiritual dynamic, that walk with God, that knowledge of God, that knowing God is indelibly linked to you and your life in the body. They are not two separate arenas. This is one of the heresies that was being addressed by Paul when he speaks into some of the purity issues that I'm going to bring up now. This God whom we walk with, whom we now worship, calls for us to love him and walk in holiness and righteousness in our physical, emotional, intellectual expressions of our humanity, or to say it a different way, because we love him, we practice that with our mind, our soul, and our body. And in this context, sexual purity has to be lifted high. It is key and it is central because every single day we're walking around with these bodies, looking at other people with bodies, and trying to figure out how do we honor God in this whole mix? How do we honor God as men and as women? How do we reflect the glory of God in these contexts, especially in a highly sexualized culture? Sometimes we hear people say this, God, God is a, a God of love. God is all about loving relationship. Absolutely, God is about loving relationship. But this also sits in the context of an overarching key principle that we must first love God, first and foremost, with our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. I love my boyfriend. I love my girlfriend. So, you know, it's okay. We're in a loving relationship. Sex is a gift from God that is reserved exclusively for the marriage covenant. The greatest expression of love that you can give to the person who's just your boyfriend or girlfriend at present is to love them so much that you don't receive something so profoundly valuable from them before you've made the biggest commitment to them. That's why God holds this value so high, purity so high. Because the price is unquantifiable. And it's reserved for the place of trust in relationship. It's easy for me to say it now that I'm married. I know that. But was ten hard years of trying to follow Christ and be obedient to Christ in this area. You choosing today to live your life as best as you can honoring God with your purity is great riches. Great, great riches. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. As I mentioned, this is something that I was trying to walk out on a daily basis over those nine or ten years before Rebecca and I got married. Something was intended as a gift to God also became a gift to my wife because making a decision to wait meant that we could build a strong, connected, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally well-founded relationship so that when we came together physically, it was in the culmination of the covenant of marriage. And today, I have a trust with Rebecca that I could not buy that really helps us stay close and united in the call of God upon our lives. And in this context, please don't think that marriage is the solution to your sexual temptation. Heaven know it's not, as much as it would be good to be. You'll still have to say, fight the same battles, the choices to bounce your eyes, the choices to honor the one that you've given your life to, the choices to keep yourself pure from the world while seeking to honor your wife. This is something you need to take care of today, wherever you're at. Not waiting until that day, and then I'll take care of things. It's a discipline that you build into your life on a daily basis, because it's for the glory of God, okay? So we are spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical beings, and I'm gonna explore a little bit more about the intellectual and emotional a little bit later on. But we're also male and female. Man and woman. I know that you know that in the world today, these words are increasingly becoming blurred. In in the Nordic countries, they're coming up with words which are non-sex related. They just say, this is my person," or an equivalent word. Not my son or daughter, this is my person. When they get old enough, then they'll decide, are they a man or a woman? It's the kind of world that we live in where this whole issue of gender is really becoming twisted in ways which are outside of the simple revelation of biology. Look at your body. We can do all kinds of things with with surgery, but the body that we have is an expression of that which has been given to us by God in terms of our spirituality, emotionality, intellectuality, and so on. And we're called to honor God with our masculinity and femininity. Now, I know that those two words have All kinds of connotations depending on what kind of church context you grew up in. But God infuses these two words with fresh meaning. It's so important that when we're looking at the marriage relationship that we remember that we're talking about a Christian, a Christ-centered marriage, a threefold cord which is not easily broken and we have to look to God and his revelation on men and women to understand how we can fully function as a married couple for his glory. And so when we say masculine and feminine, we're not talking about Superman and Lois Lane. We're not talking about the super strong, typical guy, strong and silent, and then the woman that's like, oh, it's got such big muscles. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a caricatured Hollywood view of what man or masculine and woman or feminine looks like. Neither are we looking at a, a traditional role that's often preached in churches. And you must live according to this traditional role in order to honor God. Neither are we talking about a feminist agenda of equality in all respects. See, when we talk about walking in our identity as man and woman, it's because there is aspects of the nature of God that we're called to reveal through the way that we relate. We'll often hear people say things in today's world like, we are of equal value." Yes, I 100% agree with you. We are of equal responsibility. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree with you. We're of equal contribution. Yes, you have places to bring contribution equally. We're of equal status. Yes, man and woman are humanity. There is not man and woman. It's man and woman created under God. But it's really dissatisfactory when we look at it as you've just got different roles. Different responsibilities. You know, Rebecca's gonna disagree with me after this, after I say this from the platform, but it's on record, sweetheart, I'm sorry. But in our house, I will normally do a lot of the cooking because I love the barbecue outside. And I get out there even if it's raining and I'm grilling away. And I'll normally do a lot of the washing up because we've got a dishwasher. And I'll normally do a lot of the laundry because all you have to do is chuck it in and press on. And I'll do all of the tidying because I like things to be in order. I would never say that I do the cleaning because I can't see dirt. It just doesn't register. As long as things are tidy, it's all good. I do those things because I enjoy serving my wife and also because they need to get done. But I'm not approaching this from the perspective that this is Rebecca's role because she's a, a pastor's wife. No. I would much rather free Rebecca to be able to do things which she needs to get done as an expression of the gifts that God has put in her life. See, it's not about role. What we need to start to explore in our lives and through our lives is the wonderful identity that God has given to us as men and as women where we can reveal who God has made us to be. And one of the ways that that's expressed for Rebecca is when she wants to invite people around to our house. Or when, sorry, when I want to invite people around to our house for a barbecue, she can never go a day without that day without making sure that the house is prepared for the guests because she's inviting them into her home. That's an expression of who she is. And I'm just thinking, well, as long as there's gas in the barbecue, it's all good, right? Now, there's a great book, Fully Alive. You're going to hear more about that from Colin Dye that expresses and explores this in greater depth. I don't really have time to go into that today except to position it as this, that we're walking out our God-given identity as men and women And that is expressed in different ways for different couples, but it's to express the glory of God as He's made you. And I want to unpack a little bit about men and women in in this context. It's important that we understand that both are empowered participants within marriage. Ephesians 5 is often the passage that's turned to when uh, people are seeking to quote or misquote Scripture, depending on which kind of tradition you're coming from, concerning wives uh, wives and husbands in marriage. that she might be holy and without blemish. Men, I want to say something to you that I've said to my 300 for many, many years now. You, as a man, are most powerful when you love. You're most powerful when you freely give the love that Christ has poured into our hearts. And that's expressed as honor and respect in the way that you value your wife. Dictatorship doesn't work. Often people will come to this verse and say, wives, submit to your husbands. Whatever I say, do it. Do it. But that's not what's being expressed here. Even God himself made himself confrontable when he came and addressed Adam about some of the plans that he was making. But you see, Paul here doesn't just say, wives, submit, and men, you're autonomous. Rather, men, you have to walk in submission to Christ so you can lovingly lead in your home. You know, fellas, you might not know this. I hope you figure it out soon. The women are afraid of self-centered men who are disconnected from God, and rightfully so, because a self-centered man will often make selfish decisions about what's best for him, his present physical needs, whether they're sexual needs or food needs, his present commitments, his career, his round of golf. His present relationships. Hanging with the lads. I've got to make sure I'm hanging with the lads. Or his present responsibilities. And you see where guys are real selfish about this in terms of their present responsibilities is that they can look at a woman and be like, okay, so as long as you're behaving right, as long as you're looking after me right, we'll stay in this relationship. And there's this fear climate of yeah, okay, I need to make sure I do that in order to keep my man happy. That's disrespectful, fellas, at the very least. See, women are liberated, fellas, when they see a man who seeks to honor God. Leaning in, connecting, loving God. They might not be perfect. They certainly won't be right all the time. Remember that, guys. You certainly won't be right all the time, but you can be right some of the times. Um... And a woman can get behind that, a wife can get behind that and really build trust and walk in freedom with a guy that walks like that. Now in this context, guys, it's really important that you share what God is doing in your life with your wife by learning how to communicate. There is no such marriage that works with a guy that just sits there clicking through the channels. How was your day, sweetheart? Fine. What you got up to? Everything was good. Just trying to watch the football, love. Just give me 15 minutes. You know, what kind of a marriage does that look like, a failing marriage? Learning how to communicate is essential for you to build a healthy relationship in marriage. And in your leadership as you grow, you will encourage your wife to spread her wings, to flourish in her identity and calling, to overcome fear, to break bondages, and to walk as a woman of God that she's called to be. And there's this issue of submission. I'm going to come back to that when we unpack the ladies section. In 1 Peter 3, it says this, "'Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, "'so that even if some do not obey the word, "'they may be won without a word "'by the conduct of their wives. "'When they see your respectful and pure conduct, "'do not let your adorning be external, "'the braiding of hair and the pulling, putting on "'of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear.'" I don't believe he's saying that you can't wear jewelry here. I believe what he's saying is that shouldn't be the priority, only worrying about what's going on on the outside, not worrying about what's going on on the inside. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, in God's sight, is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Ladies, it's really important to know that men are afraid of anything that looks like manipulation. And that's a consequence of the fall, and it's part of the curse you're being redeemed from on a daily basis. Uh, and we, we each have our own parts that we're seeking to walk out wholeness and purity in. And so they'll tend to resist with the tools that they have, anything that looks like manipulation. That's normally silence, withdrawal, angry communication, sometimes even violence. It's important that you understand these other things, though. Men can build real strong relationships just sitting next to you. They can walk away from a couple of hours hanging out and think, that was a great time. And alongside guys needing to learn to speak, ladies, you also need to learn just to sit and have fun by not saying anything. Both sides. Equal. Men feel incredibly respected by you wives when you are submissive. What does that mean? Does that mean less than? Does that mean the weaker partner? Does that mean subjugated? Do you know what one of the first indicators for me that Rebecca was my wife is? On our very first date I was joking around, she's from New Zealand and there's a great comedy duo from New Zealand called Flight of the Concords. You might or might not have heard of them, they're pretty funny but they're a little bit vulgar as well so don't go watch them now. I'm talking about what I used to watch before I was a Christian. Um, And I was making a joke about the flight of the concords and she just looked at me with a little smile on her face and she said, come on now Gabriel, there's more to New Zealand than sheep, Lord of the Rings and flight of the concords. And any joke that I could have made in that one moment was just taken from my mouth. And in a submissive way, my wife, who's an incredibly accomplished project manager at Credit Suisse at the time, with a smile, shuts me up. I was like, wow, this woman's the woman. Hallelujah. (laughs) See, there was no angry tone. There was no belittling comment. There was no display of weakness. My equal, with all the inner beauty that God has crafted in her, subtly and submissively submissively tells me, my jokes aren't as good as I think they are. And so I stopped. And I'll stop now, because I'm sure she's getting embarrassed enough as it is. So what does submission exactly mean? Look at how Peter positions it. He says, Look, if your husband doesn't follow the word, don't follow him into his stupidity by submitting to him and calling that submission. It says, if he doesn't follow the word, that you in your conduct following the word call him back to the word. It means by the choice that you have to honor God and honor his word, and your right behavior brings him back into line. And the guy sitting there Dang it, my wife is righteous. See, the word doesn't change. The man is called to change here, to submit to the same word that you've both agreed to submit to as an expression of your right relationship with God. See, submission is an attitude. It's not an action. It's a heart position. It's not an external cow towering, so to speak. It's important to find the correct balance. So I think I've said enough for now, I want us to invite a couple of guests who have enjoyed their own experience in walking with the Lord, and I'm sure that they're going to bring out a lot of stuff which will benefit us, and I'm sure you also want to hear from someone else other than me for just a few moments. So let's welcome a couple who serve here on the ministry team, Mensah and Natalie to the platform. Now, Natalie is Tottenham Hotspur fan, so she got the blue mic. And Mensah is an Arsenal fan, so he got the red mic. There's differences within marriage already. What's going on here? Okay, so tell everyone a little bit about yourselves. How is it that you are involved here in the church? What is it that you do?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, we're uh, members of the, uh, steward team, the stewarding team at, at the 230 service. So we serve at this service, um, also with, with uh, welcome.
0: Great. So you've all seen these wonderful people welcoming you as you come into the services. Yeah? <laughs> Amen. How long have you been uh, a couple?
2: Um, We've been a couple for over four years. We dated for one year, and um, after one year, Mensa proposed. Then we spent our second year planning our wedding, and we've been married for two years and a half.
0: Okay, fantastic. And how long have you been practising Christians?
2: Um, My walk has been as long as our relationship, so four and a half years. So you
0: came to Christ pretty much at the same time that you met Mensah?
2: Yeah, we were friends before, and we used to talk on the phone for a length of time. And I expressed that um, I had a void because my mother had passed away. And I said to him, I'm going to um, attend a Buddhist meeting. And he quite quickly spoke about his faith and um, invited me to church. And yeah, since then.
1: Um, yeah, since 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 my teenage years, um, and uh, I got but I got baptized when I moved to London in two thousand and seven. Uh, I got baptized here at KT, and uh, then began to walk a lot closer to God. So
0: great. Can I just check? Can all of you hear them clearly? All of you can hear Natalie and here. Yeah. Great, Good. fantastic. Okay, so what prompted you to move towards marriage? Because in this day and age, it's quite a A significant step. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we, uh, I guess when
1: we initially became friends, I mean, I don't think marriage was on our minds. And um, I think when we then started dating and spending time with one another, getting to know one another on a deeper level, um, I guess for myself, I began to have desires for marriage at that point. And... Um, and was started to think more about marriage and I think you know, it's, it probably came out of us just spending a lot of time together seeing how the other person was and realising that there was a deep relationship there and that we wanted it to be more significant and something
0: lifelong. Okay, yeah. great. So I spoke a little bit earlier about spiritual, emotional and intellectual physical connection. Talk to us a little bit about some of the areas where you've prioritised this in your life. For example, with abstinence, how did, how did that work?
1: Yeah, um, like so, uh, so when um, you know, probably well, quite early in our relationship, that was something that I think the Lord challenged us on, and that was something that we struggled with in terms of sexual purity. Um, but I think through well, through the Holy Spirit and you know through a word that, that we heard here at KT, um, I think That's you appreciate awesome to say, yeah, about yeah, that, she'll, sure. she'll she'll talk about that. But that you know really challenged us, and the Holy Spirit really kind of took hold of us and really set us on a different path. Um, i don't know i mean that could talk a bit more and about during
2: that particular sermon um gabriel set a challenge he spoke about um sexual purity but he said in your relationship that you're currently in you may be having a sexual relationship with them and you're in love and but how would your relationship be if you remove that element would you still have be able to have a conversation with them can you still connect with them and I thought I knew him quite well because we were friends before we um, had a relationship so I thought actually do I know you as well as I think I do would we be able to still connect on another level are we spiritually connected I know we have um, a connection um, intimately but how would our relationship look If we remove that, are we honoring God at present? Are we honoring each other?
0: So what did you learn about the challenge of purity during that time? Because you practiced purity from that point up until you got married. Yeah, I mean, so
1: so, I I think what what we learned, well, you know, we we try to, uh, you know, we learn how to trust God. And that can be a bit daunting when um, you think you've got everything figured out. And it's very difficult when you have something that you really like and you really enjoy, a person that you really enjoy being with, and you just kind of give that over to God and say, actually, God, you deal with everything. I'm putting everything in your hands. And for me, that wasn't a very easy thing to do. Um, But I think when we did that, um, it set a tone in our relationship, I think, that lasted into our marriage because we decided to operate under... um, under the, you know, well, under the direction of God. And so that became kind of the, you know, the manifesto of our marriage in the sense that God is leading us um, and he's holding us together. Um, But we practiced allowing him to lead us before we, you know, before we actually got married. Okay,
0: great. And so you made that decision, that adjustment, you moved Mm -hmm. away and started practicing abstinence. That obviously meant you had to figure out ways to communicate in other areas. For example, your careers, how did you learn how to encourage each other in your career or in your personal lives in that stage of getting to know each other?
2: Within our personal life, we had to make adjustments, Um, the time that we spent together, um, obstacles such as, as a couple, we had many weddings to attend, so How did we take away the temptation? Um, A lot of weddings these days are destination weddings. So as a couple abstaining, um, do we still stay in the same hotel room? Do we both go go together? Do we not go? Does one go and the other one stays at home? There are many challenges, but throughout all our challenges, we had to communicate and speak honestly and open about it. it, We're encouraged to tell our friends so that they can also support us. Um, our close friends,
0: so... And then did you learn how to communicate in, in other areas? Other Yeah, arenas? so, I mean, for
1: me, um, well, you know, I, I, well, I do, and I did at the time, really love her, so, you know, I was thinking, well, how can I, you know, really, I really want to show her how much I love her, so I had to learn I had to learn new avenues to do that, so either, you know, buying her flowers a lot, or, you mm. know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like lots of flowers. <laughs> um, Compensation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, planning dates, so, you know, you know, going out on dates, doing things together, mm. just like talking, like mm. sitting down and just finding ways to express yourself verbally about how you feel. Um, and so I think by developing those, uh, by developing those areas, I think we, you know, that was stuff that we could bring into our marriage as well, is we have, there's different ways that we can communicate. We're not just dependent on one way, but there's a lot of different things that we can do together.
0: Okay, so, so let's, let's talk about this. As you can hear, we've got one American, one English uh, <laughs> woman, you've got a man a woman, Got a guy who's probably typically quite reserved and not forthcoming about what he wants (laughs) to say, and a lady who's probably quite comfortable with speaking. How did? How have you learnt to um, balance out your uh, and accommodate those differences Mm. within your marriage? Mm.
2: Um, With time and patience. For example, I would come in from work and say, "Mensa, how was your day?" And he would say, "Fine." I would pause, (laughs) and then ramble on and talk about my day in great detail, and then he will kind of. Look downtrodden as if I've spoken over him, but I have asked, how is, you? how is his day? And he's given me a response, but I've learned that I have to be patient and just ask leading questions to gain a response out of him.
1: Yeah, but also I had to be bold enough to actually communicate to her how I was feeling so I had to actually tell her that, you know, when I come in, if i am had a really long day, sometimes I'm just a bit slow to get going. So if you just be patient with me, give me some time, I, I'll, I'll start to open up. And she didn't. She 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 kind of heard that, and she was like, okay, I get that. And so now, you know, if, you know, we're at, you know, we're at dinner and she's like, how's your day? I might just say, oh, it's okay. But then she gives me time. She might just go back to eating and we just, you know, we're sit sitting in silence. And then after a while, like, I get going and then I'm, like, talking. So I think I had to be bold enough and, 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 and have enough courage to say, actually, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I'm communicating right now. If you could just give me a bit of space and allow me to, you know, to operate in that way.
2: And there have also been situations where I've come home and I just want to vent and whinge about my day and I don't expect him to, as the man of, of our household and the leader to solve my problems. I just want to vent. So he's learnt to just listen intently. Yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> but also, but also, um, um, you, you, you have to be—you know—you have to be prepared to listen. Um, mm-hmm. So if you ask your wife a question or you, know, you ask you know you someone a question, you have to be ready. To to hear what they have to say, so you can't kind of ask a question and then check out and go do something else. Mm. Um, And you know, my my wife, you know, if if I ask her how her day is going, I'm getting everything. (laughs) Um, I'm getting you know her day, her neighbor's day. So I've got to be ready. And no, it's (laughs) honestly, but you know, I've I've got to be open and attentive to to, you know you you know to do that because even if it's not about her, she she's expecting me to listen to her and 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 listen attentively. So
0: one one final (laughs) brilliant. One final question, um, with regards to spiritual stuff, how, how do you make that work, you're both career people, you've got a lot on, how do you keep God at the centre of what you're trying to do in your communication?
2: Um, we're encouraged in so many different ways, we're encouraged whilst serving the church, um, also there's so many different resources here, we've got Living Free, we've got Master in Leadership 1 and 2, there's so many different courses here so that encourages us also
1: yeah and also I mean we, we we take time to you know to pray together so there's a you know there's a devotional cd that was uh, a gift from actually from my cell leader you know he gave it to us when we got married and we used that and that you know it's just like a few moments every evening or every other evening we just use that to kind of prompt either discussions uh, prompt things to pray about um, so we try to use the tools that are available to us but carving out that time is really important as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we're sitting down at dinner, you know, we cut the TV off um, and just kind of be together and, 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 and have that an opportunity for us to just to connect and to talk. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> it's getting a little bit too comfortable there. The mic's gone haywire. Okay. Were you blessed by that? It's great to hear from a couple, eh? So I just wanna bring some, a couple of practical ideas. I know that we've got a baptism service to get into, so if you just give me four minutes, I'll just round out this sermon with some practical adjustments we can make to our mar- marriages or relationships to go deeper. First is you need to get, get rid of some inhibitors in your intimacy. That might be your TV. Get rid of your TV. I don't have a TV. You can choose to do that yourself, but it's gonna block your communication. Get rid of your mobile phones when you're spending time communicating. Honor each other, don't be on your texts, on your Facebook when someone's trying to talk to you. Make space, like you said, listen attentively, like Natalie said. Um, Take down some walls. Please don't have a double life. If you've got a double life, you've got your secretive one phone that your wife can check and one phone that she doesn't know exists. (laughs) Uh, Be transparent about what's going on inside of your heart, including your sexual struggles. Don't just say things like, I'm going out just because I'm just with my mate on the phone. Express what's actually going on, who you're spending time with, what's going on. Take down those double lives and build one life which she can look into and you can look into uh, vice versa. Set healthy boundaries about your time. Make sure that you make time for each other. Date night is a massive piece. Then there's lots of other different aspects. One of the key ones that I wanna look into just real quick is forgiveness. Please keep forgiveness at the center of the way you communicate. If you're you're the guy, do you remember this long list of things that you did? Every time you have an argument, it's never going to go anywhere. Let's discuss this one situation, see how it's going, unpack it, and then apologize quickly. Don't bring it up next time. Don't bring it up next time. Because you don't want to develop a pattern where you're constantly negative to each other, but rather practice forgiveness. That is essential. And finally, take responsibility for yourself. Never blame your partner for the fact that you get angry. Never blame your partner for the fact that you get hurt. Let them know what's going on inside you, but it's not their fault if you get angry. That's your choice responding to how they're communicating with you at that present time. There's always a different way to look at something. I, let's say it this different way. Watch out for the stories you're telling yourself. Don't be sitting there saying this terrible demon possessed horrific person hates me and they just want the worst for me and look at the way they keep treating me and go off on this whole story i sit there and think this is my beloved who is committed to me and i'm committed to them i'm seeing this wrong so let me see it right by remembering first who they are and that they're a glorious holy spirit filled person that you love and take it from there Makes a massive, massive difference to the way that you speak. So many other different things I wish I could say, wish we had time for, but really just want to say this. Be encouraged in marriage, learn to communicate in marriage, sow towards the life of your marriage by speaking life to each other for His glory. Amen. 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 Let's honor the Lord. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, we're going to head now to our time of baptism. If you and candidates could stand, all of us where you're at. I know that some of you have got cell groups to go on to and that kind of thing. Fully appreciate that. But we want to invite the rest of you to come to the front, support your family members or friends getting baptized. We want a big cheering squad here at the front. It's a great day of celebration for them. But before we go, can we pray for them, please? That's the final thing I'm going to ask you to do. Let's stretch our hands forward and let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for every one of these baptism candidates that today is the first day of the rest of their life in you. And Lord, we pray your favor upon them, your blessing upon them, your grace upon them, that they would continue to grow in their relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.